Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is a weekly show dedicated to the ins and outs of both Xbox and PC without the drags of console tribalism, hosted by popular content creators Mr. Matty Plays and Lord Cognito. Energy is the name of the game for Defining Duke, whether it is an in-depth conversation on the latest news, hot takes on the anticipated exclusives, our selections for Game Pass Pick of the Week, breaking down why Wendy's is bad for the soul, or why both hosts are cursed as Mets fans, our show has you completely covered. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is available wherever you can listen to podcasts, so pause the show you're listening to right now and go subscribe. It's free, and you get to be the person who says you were there before it was cool to listen to Defining Duke, an Xbox Box podcast. Hey, it's Bob Saget's here for you. We're uh, I'm here for you, and there's so many shows with similar names. Uh, this one came out, uh, I think, before the age of uh, the automobile. That's how long I've been doing this podcast since I think uh, when was that? 1910. I know. I don't know. I don't know history. I don't know much, but I know I love you, and that is. All I need to know. So the truth is, this is Bob Saget's here for you. And uh, you know what to do with this thing. You're going to listen to it. I got a great person on here today, Michael Rosenbaum. And he is an incredibly talented man uh, from things like on Smallville. He was Lex Luthor. He uh, he does not have a shaved head anymore. He's been in a, a ton of movies. And he's a musician and a writer and a director and an artist. Uh, and he's very, very open. And he has a podcast called Inside of You. And it's not lascivious. Of course, that's where I take it. Um, that's how I do things. Can't help it. Just trying to not stay bored. But uh, it's a really good podcast. He really gets into his head. Um, he gets into the head of his guests. And it's in a positive way. And it's kind of a therapy session in a way. It, it's, uh, it's Inside of You uh, with Michael Rosenbaum. And there it is. That's what it looks like. And it's backwards, but that's how these things work. So he is um, quite a special guy and quite a sweetheart. So you're going to enjoy this. And in the meantime, before you hear it, uh, where I'm about to admit him in, to admit, I mean, okay, I admit it. That's kind of what this podcast is going to be like. I have a feeling it's going to be lengthy because we're going to be riffing and talking about stuff that uh, is meaningful to us at this moment. Uh, you want to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That's what you want to do. It's free. Again, I, I said it to Bill Burr once when I first started this podcast at the beginning of the year, and Bill said, Bob, they're all free. You know, you get sponsors, Bob. Do it for a couple of years. Shut the fuck up. And Bill was right. So uh, he likes he likes uh, telling me the truth as harsh as possible, and I accept that. So you can also follow it, depending on how you uh, get your podcasts. I get them down at the flea market. No, I don't. There ain't no flea market. I don't know if you've noticed. Not to my knowledge. Anyway, it's Michael Rosenbaum. And uh, here we go with another episode of Bob Saget's Here For You. So, Michael, your name, your family heritage name is Michael Rosenbaum. That it, that is the, the root? That's correct. Rosenbaum, I believe, means red tree in German. Uh, I was, you know, I was thinking of changing my name at a certain time in my life early on. 
and you know people are like look at schwarzenegger and all these other names and like rosen and it's actually rosenbaum my dad used to get upset when i said bomb he's like that's right. your name that's your name i'm like yeah he's like it's baum i'm like well i'm gonna go i'm michael rosenbaum right so i said rosenbaum and he's, he's it still pisses him off well you had it easier than me because saget was a rhyming scheme for many people so school was not not a good thing it was yeah. not fun you weren't popular either you weren't popular? How could you not be popular? I was the shortest kid in my entire high school. 360 people graduating class. Shortest kid in my high school. So you, you grew like at 21, 22? No, I grew at like... Uh, 38? When, at like 18 years old. I went in. I went to college. And some people that had gone to high school with me came up and go, dude, what happened to you? Are you Michael whatever you're... Baum? <laughs> Rosenbaum. Baum. And I was like, yeah. They're like, Baca, Baca, baum, 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 baum. <laughs> Rosenbaum. Baca, baum, baum. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I didn't even start puberty to late. You know, when they played skins and shirts basketball, right. if they gave me a skin, I would... A skins, I would suddenly have a stomach ache and couldn't play because I had no hair under my arms and I'd be embarrassed. So I'd I'm so out. pretty yeah. hairless. I, I am... Uh, I, I'm kind of like a native american in a way i'm very smooth i got a little bit of frills right in the chestal and i got uh my nipples are incredibly hairy are you, they you, I, I, you I, can't I, even I, see the nipples it's like two little chia man boobs it's beautiful the henderson's there yeah my you know what happened was i used to pray people used to pray for like i want to pray for a coleco vision pray for you know all these things i i pray for arm hair and i got it later on i got the bass and back hair but it's you're not, not completely so you have back hair I have some back hair. It's not like outrageous, but if I let it get four or five months, it can get free. So I usually have a little uh, a clipper and places I can't reach. I'll have either my brother or an ex-girlfriend, uh, you know, I'll pay them. <laughs> I know we haven't seen each other and I know you got to wear a mask during this, but could you shave my back? <laughs> well, that's the thing during COVID. I've, you know, I need bigger shirts because uh, I've yeah. let that's all right though. You know, it's uh, it's okay. I, I used to think that, you know, you got to be sort of hairless and that's the whole Hollywood thing. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, the hair's coming back. Hair's hair's in. Hair is totally in. I Now, that's a question I've had for you because you, you know, Lex Luthor. It's Luthor or Baum? <laughs> On the show, Lex Luthor Baum. They, they uh, <laughs> you know, it is Luthor. I, it, you know, some actors or guest stars would say Mr. Luthor and they go, it's Luthor. Oh, man, that's not good. Sure. Yeah, Luther. It's Luther. So, uh, Lex uh, Lutherbaum, uh, did you like having a shaved head? Do you miss it? No, I don't miss it. I, I think in the beginning I was worried because I, you know, I always have these problems where I think I'm going to get fired. They're going to find out I suck. Uh, here it comes. You were great got, on. You were great on Smallville. Great. Like, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, but it, it definitely was work and i remember they're going to shave my head for the pilot and they're going to see that you know you had all these beautiful people on the show tom welling and kristen krug and they were all so gorgeous even the older actors john schneider and ed o'toole all really handsome pretty people and i always felt like i was the ugly duckling so when they shaved me i had this i had this big bump on the back of my head it's an occipital bone right and i thought oh man when they're shooting overs you know behind you they're gonna go oh what the hell is that we gotta fire him his heads i thought i was gonna have a little dents all over my well, head that's but why they say jews have horns that so you that's what that is it's kind of like horn. you're a unit unit jew you i'm a unit jew but i honestly uh when i shaved my head i think that helped me for the role and i liked 
there was something freeing about when you took a shower and you feel that water that you have to work right save a lot of money on haircuts and i i have i shave downtown and uh that's why i stand on my hands during the shower because it feels so good and it it's also an upside down bidet and uh <laughs> and do, you really, do you shave your genitals well uh manscaped is a uh sponsor so i have to uh they their products uh, apparently worked on me, but I was doing it myself. I, I like to clean it uh, clean it up for Lent. It also it also <laughs> it also makes it look bigger. If you trim down there, it's like oh, it's an extra. You it know. does. Well, think about it. If you have a lot of hair growing on in the seventies, you saw a lot of pubic pubes just flowing. Like uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah. If you look at old uh, adult films, it's pretty upsetting. It's like. Uh, you got to replace that divot after you're done. That's yeah, all. Yeah, if you shave it down, it's just like you know, it's you're gonna have more of a shaft, I believe. Well, mine my shaft's bigger because I I have little mirrors, like little miniature funhouse mirrors. That if you for if you had like a say you built a little house for mice, and you wanted to give them little funhouse mirrors, those little ones that are swirly mm-hmm. that make your body look weird. Right, I right. do that. I have a little whole little octagon around my uh, my penis, so it would be like. You know Quadrophenia by the Who? Yeah, So this would be Quadrophenia. And because, so I have an octocock. And you know who he could date is Octopussy, the famous James Bond. So they would have been a perfect, they could have had 16 children. Perfect. Do the math. I like like that. Aren't you glad you agreed to do? (laughs) I thought you were going to go Octomom. I was waiting for Octomom to come in. Oh, you don't bring a mom into this kind of conversation. (laughs) That's as bad. Yeah, it's not right. My mother breastfed me, and she had eight breasts. Um, to, <laughs> Lucky she, you. Lucky she, you. Well, Lucky. yeah, but she was a cow, so that's oh. like. Well, she was heavy, or she was a. Actual, no, she was an actual cow. My mother an was an actual cow. Guernsey. Oh. Um, but I would never like Tom Green drink from the udder. I. Uh, oh yeah. She no. had to expel and freeze it. I don't know how why this started this way. I'm sorry. It's like I, I'm punchy today. I'm just I feel punchy. At home. I feel at home. I'm glad because because doing your podcast, which is called Inside of You. Now, that's a fascinating title, because if I called my podcast that people would have a different it have a different connotation. Well, you know, it's funny because we had something that went viral and it went to Stern and Stern used to watch Smallville and talk about it a lot. And then he, you know, here's here's, you know, Robin gives him the news and says, oh, somebody had an anxiety attack. So this guy, Stephen Amell, this actor on on Michael Rosenbaum's show Inside of You with Michael. And and Howard's like, oh, Inside of You. It's like a double entendre, right? Inside of You. What's Inside of You? And, uh, you know, I I was thinking of a title and we we talked about this on my podcast where you, you know. Which I love doing, by the way. And it seems like only moments ago. Yeah, it, it just seems like it was less than an hour ago. I Time is weird. It is. But, I, you know, I thought about what what do I want to do here? I want to be kind of cheeky, but in a way it's like, it's really, I get inside the gas. That's as simple as that. I'm getting inside of you. It's, right. like, it's supposed to be dirty, but I guess, you know, uh, I have mugs. I have mugs, Bob. I'll have to send you a mug. Oh, I want a mug whenever I do anything. I was, I was doing a podcast yesterday and I held up a mug and it said uh, the late the late late show and then i looked at it and it was with craig kilborn and then i realized i'm 105 <laughs> so they're actually really good mugs but you know it says inside of you my then on the back thank you for allowing me to be inside of you oh well then it does mean that <laughs> well I mean, it, 
Well, no, I'm thank you. Like, thank I thanked you for being, uh, you know, for allowing me to get inside of you. That's that's again, I can only go one place with that, but maybe, um, so. maybe so. But I'm here for you for you to get inside of me. Say, now that's a podcast inside of you, here for you, and inside of you. That's the that's the clip that we'll use to promote both of our podcasts. I think it's good. I think it's good. I like so it. I have a million questions for you. So this is going to take about nine hours, and. Uh-huh. Um, I just sit here in front of the Zoom now. That's all I do. I wait for people to show up. I just sit here, and then people admit, admit, admit. And that's the other thing. Once you're on a Zoom and people admit, uh, then they admit if it's a good, if they're inside of you. Well, don't you feel like, do you like it more when people, like people were coming over my house, like Bob Odenkirk would be sitting there, name drop, and we'd be talking, but now it's on Zoom and we don't have to leave our house. We don't have to shower. I could be naked from the waist down. Do you prefer the Zooms or do you like when people are actually there? I started this in studio at Studio 71. I did two episodes and then quarantine happened. And then this wonderful guy, Stephen Perlstein, who runs uh, Studio 71, kind of. Um, he brought the board over and said, you can't come into the studio. We're not doing it. So I've grown to love this. And I've done a lot of business on it. You know, and then it's different with this. It's um, I could be showing like a, a more posh part of the house. And it's like, why give people a blueprint to your home? <laughs> you know, it's like I was yeah. I was watching this show with my wife, uh, the new season of The Crown on Netflix, which is I thought it was about dental work. I thought it was about a dentist, but it's apparently about the royal family. But British people sometimes have teeth problems that's what they say about themselves so i thought it was just going to be you know 10 episodes about getting your crown filled but it's about queen elizabeth and all of her family and um and the guy breaks into her house that happened in real life a guy broke in because times were so hard and he was having he lost his kids he couldn't be have custody and he just kind of went mental he was broke it was a very difficult time in london okay it was yesterday no it was years ago and it was just like he was able to retrace his steps from breaking in. He broke in twice. It's a real story. So I don't know. On a podcast, some people will show you their whole house or a reality show. They'll show yeah. you. Has anybody ever approached you to do a reality show? You know, years ago when it was kind of a cool thing to do. I mean, this was like back like this is 17 years ago. They asked me to do cribs. And I was like, you know, I was young and I was like, this is kind of. I wasn't that young, but I was early 30s. And I was like, this is kind of a cool thing. So, yeah, I let him around my house. And, I, you know, it was fun. I just didn't take it very seriously. And I just had fun with it. But, yeah, I didn't really think about it. You don't think, well, people are going to see your whole every, you know, and get kind of personal. And I have a lot of friends who are kind of private. And they don't want anybody in their house. And they don't want. I've always been. Did you say people are going to see your whole? Home. Oh, home, okay. Home, I thought you said, you know, home. people are going to come over. They're going to see your whole. Well, I'm not that personal. I don't get that personal. But you're but, uh, you're inside of you. <laughs> I'm inside of myself. But you know, I, <laughs> I, I, but you know, it is a little bit. You're allowing, you know, people, certain people. Like I have this guest that I've been trying to get on the podcast. And I won't say his name, but he's like, listen, I don't really get personal. I keep that from a book that I'm going to write someday, or I keep it from my family. And I agree with life. that to some degree. So yeah, it, I mean, it, it depends yeah. on the person, and and if you want that person, they'll. Have you found that when you have a guest... Oh, finish that thought. I didn't let you finish. 
Well, I was just saying that, you know, I, I got it, but I really liked the guy and I worked with him and I thought, you know, this is going to be a great guest. He has a great career. So he says he doesn't want to get personal, but I think I still could ask him certain questions like, you know, I can get a little personal. I think he just doesn't want to go like you and I can get personal and talk about dysfunction, family, death and life and things like that. And I, I think he doesn't. Some people don't feel comfortable. And they're look, if everyone is as open as we were, well, the world would be great, wouldn't it? But that's just not how it works. Yeah, yes and Yes and no, because some people are are not sound as much as you wish they could be. They're having like real mental health issues, so you want to get them help. You know when they have that. Have you had guests that are on there that just really don't open up? I had when when I have asked certain guests, which who I've later had that had to cancel because stuff's going on in their lives, and then I realized just leave them alone. You know, I leave leave people alone when they're in it when they're going through it. Yeah. I mean, I heard the panic attack on your show and how soon in did that happen into the well, episode? What was cool was he was a fan of the show and he was, he was, he's on that show arrow. And now he's on a new show called heels and he's got a huge following, great guy. And he came on and everything was great. Then a year later he came on again and he had just worked like, like 22 episodes. He's the lead on a show doing all his stunts he came in and he was visibly, I noticed this guy looked like he was, I mean, he's a great look. When I look tired, people are like, we need to take you to a hospital. When good looking, really amazing looking people gets, you know, are well tired, they still look way better than me. And so. <laughs> and you're a good looking guy though. I've never well, seen you well, look bad. Saying, well, I'm just saying that this was like, well, but when he walked in and I know him, I know Steven, I could, it was just his disposition. It was just, he just was like, hey man, how's it going? Everything else just like his life it just seemed like it was sucked out of him. And we started talking and he goes, Hey man, um, is it hot in here? Yeah. I go, uh, not really. I could open the door. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm sweating a little bit. It's like, and then he goes, Rosie, I think I'm having a panic attack, man. I don't, I don't know. And I go, all right. And I looked at my engineer, Ryan, and he was just like, Oh fuck, what do we do here? And uh, I go, I, I didn't freak out when it comes to that stuff. I'm aware. Cause I've had anxiety attacks. And I'm like, I go, Hey, why don't I get you some water, you know, take a little deep breath and we'll just relax. And like, you know, and then he's like, no, Rosie, I, I, I think I got to go, man. I think I got to. And, you know, he, he doesn't live far from me. So he goes, I'm, I'm going to walk. Go, Let me drive you. He goes, no, no, no. And in fact, he started walking and I felt like, fuck, I go, Ryan, should I go jump in my truck? He's like, yeah. So I jumped in my truck and I raised, you know, I drove down half the block and there he is. I go, Hey, he goes, Hey, he's got his hood on. He's just like, I go, Hey, hey, hey buddy. I go, Hey, let me, it's rush hour. And, you know, people, since they've developed ways, my, my street's a little busier than most. So can I just drive you home? He's like, man, Hey, I, I really need to walk this off. I go, all right. So then I went back home and I was worried again. And I called his wife and I go, Hey, is he all right? What do you mean? He's not home. Oh shit. I shouldn't have called this early. I should, you know, and, but anyway, I was worried. He was, uh, it was, you know, I was, I was worried about him and it took him time to decompress and sort of get his shit together. And, What's funny or not funny, but the next time he came on the podcast again, he had just got COVID on set and he hadn't announced it. And he announced it on my show. And I was like, whoa, wait, what? So, so you're, uh, you're not in the room with him during this. This is no, 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 no right. <laughs> hey, I just got COVID. Yeah. We did the zoom and uh, he was like, I got COVID man. And I was on set and like, he starts talking about it and it was, uh, it was kind of fascinating, but I appreciate that he's open like that where you know, I sent, I, I called him. I said, Hey, we could do one of three things. We can get rid of this podcast. I'll erase it. 
B, you just let me talk about the rest and that you had an anxiety attack and then you're doing fine now. Or you can come back and finish it. He goes, send me the raw footage. And I thought he was going to be like, I'm out. I'm out. Send him the footage. He goes, I'm coming back. Came back on about a month later, finished it. So you hear him having the anxiety attack. And then he talks about what just happened. And I'll tell you, the most amazing, you might think, oh, that's good for ratings and people listening. But it was really good because all those people that were listening that get anxiety and deal with that, hearing someone like this have an anxiety attack and that it happens to everybody. And, and, you know, it's not just you don't feel alone. It was really cool. It was very helpful, I think, to a lot of people. Have you gone? It's actually wonderful. And the ratings did increase. So, I mean, you accomplished really what you needed and it helped him a little bit and other people a little bit, but really the ratings (laughs) that kind of put you on the map in a way. Well, it it spiked your numbers pretty strong and your podcast is actually fantastic. It's really, really great. And you've been doing it how long? You know, I was doing it two years and like, you know, I, I don't have a, a big name. I'm not like a, you know, a Joe Rogan or a Dak Shepard or like the guys that have huge followings and no huge, big, big, you know, Stallones. I mean, I've worked with Stallone, but he's not doing my podcast, but these guys, um, I, I was working at it thinking, okay. And then I'm like, wow, not that many people are really listening. And then I wanted to quit because I thought, well, what am I doing this for? Right. The longer I did it, the more I started to open up and talk about real stuff. And the guests started opening up. I noticed it just started to climb. It started, people started, and I stayed with it. And, you know, what I realized, A, was the success of it is that I really just enjoy it. I think we we sort of rate things uh, based on how successful they are. And what success is to me is, do you enjoy it? Is it a passion? Does it give you fulfillment? Uh, does it uh, help you? And the answer was, yeah. And, the and more is I- it an exchange program with other people? And that's, I feel the same way about this. I'll like, I'll do this forever. If I'm off, we talked about this on your podcast. If I'm off doing a gig, there's no reason not to bring the podcast board with me and have my computer and do things, just do it. it it's really, yeah. I love it. I love it. And, it. and it's different than something I'd be doing if I was doing, I mean, it's similar to a talk show if you're hosting a talk show, but that that market is pretty much done and uh, unless you come out of left field and something you, you know syndication comes back which it won't uh you know 11 o'clock at night you know the special hours arsenio's i think arsenio went on at 11 at night i think it was right during the news time yeah people that was the time i mean back in the you know 90s 80s i mean the talk shows were the thing and now it's become podcast and on my podcast i think you say it but you're like, you know, once the COVID thing hit, um, you know, at first I got a little upset because I was like, all these big celebrities now are doing podcasts because they, they're in COVID during COVID. They need something to do. And I'm like, this is a passion for me. I love helping people. I love talking to people. I love getting, you know, this is real to me. And now they're, you know, they're doing these. And I go, is it taken away from, I go, no, you know, it's just, it, at first it bothered me. Then I thought, you just love doing it. Stop comparing yourself. I think that's what always is the demise of us. Well, it's ridiculous because we're only competing against ourselves. And yeah, and we're also talking with a podcast, you're, you've got the world, basically. They, right. You know, the people that want to have the English-speaking world, uh, that's it. You, it goes everywhere. And so... Right. And I, I don't have any intention of stopping doing this. It's it's a fun thing to do. And I get to catch up with people. I mean, you and I have always liked each other. 
Yeah. We, we met during, um, I guess it was in nightclubs or we'd go out with Jonathan Silverman. Yep. And we'd hang out or we'd go to some WB party or something stupid. <laughs> right. Were you at the one in New York? There was a really crazy one at Sweet 16. I don't remember the names of places back then, but yeah, I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure we. Yeah, the I'm world sure. was so up wrong. Fronts, was it maybe upfronts or something? It was upfronts, and yeah, it was upfronts, and then we were. And I was a WB person for a while. I was doing ra- your own show, Raising Dad, and Raising uh, Dad, and Jonathan Katz and Norman Steinberg. Norm- Jonathan Katz is Doctor Katz, and Norman Steinberg wrote my favorite year and was one of the writers with Mel on Blazing Saddles. And the cast was Jerry Adler, who was Hesh on The Sopranos, playing my dad. And on the show as my daughters were Kat Dennings and Brie Larson. And Megan Good was on it as their girlfriend, as Kat's girlfriend. And it was a really, Andy Kindler was on it as, I was a teacher and he was the principal. And I loved it. I loved that show. And I understood it was popular in England. I'm like, well, that's okay. So I finally did someone they like, which is means it must be good. <laughs> And we did like 24 episodes, something odd, some large order. And uh, I loved that experience, actually. It, and that would have been a fun show to keep going because that was effortless. Yeah, but- I've had some of those. Yeah, you just go, man, that was a really good time. I was lucky to be doing that. And, you know, I, I wish that would have gone another three or four seasons, you know. But, you know, that's, that's freaking I think awesome. about everything I do. I don't understand because I'm, I'm all in. Whatever I do, oh, my God, I'm inside you. I, I do everything... That's his podcast, everybody. Come on. Uh, I, th- I give everything I have to everything I do, which is why my ex-wife is so happy. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you've never been married. That's Were you close at any time? No, I think there were time. you know, there was a moment where I, I felt like a couple of moments with a couple of, of women, maybe two or three in my life that, you know, we played around and talked about stuff, and maybe it was puppy love at one point. But um, you were in love with a puppy. Uh, well, she had a puppy, and I was in love with it. Was it a but Maltese? I, no, I think it was a, a poodle. Ah. Uh, but I, you know, the the idea when I was young, it's like my, you know, I had so much dysfunction. But like my my grandparents were always together, even till the end when my grandpa passed. They were together for seventy two years, and I thought, okay, it's possible and true love and well, I don't know if that's true love. It's also fear of separating. What are you going to do? That, that's probably part of it. They met when she was like 12, I think. And then they ended up, you know, kissing when she was 15. And then they probably had some intercourse somewhere along the line. But I uh, I really, <laughs> they gave me hope. And they were always, Michael, you know, they put guilt on me. Even to this day, when my grandmother calls me, she goes, you would be such a great dad. Why can't you have the joy of a, of a child? And I'm like, and I get guilty. And I'm like, and then finally I said to her the other day, this is true. I said to her, I go, I'm going to have this kid and you're going to die. And then I'm like, I had this kid for you and then you die. And then I got to take care of for the next right. years. Right. You know, so you got to do things because. But at know, least she got, at least she got a selfie with you and the kid and the grandmother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look what but, I got out of this. <laughs> oh God, man. I just, you got to do things because I mean, look, I have a fear you know, I always had a fear and it extends from childhood of like, who's going to teach the kid math or, or science or I'm, a, I'm an idiot. I can, I always felt like I was dumb. I'm like, you can't do this. You're this kid's going to end up, you know, you know, not going to, and, and I always, and they're like, well, why don't I just marry someone who's a lot smarter than me, which is not difficult to find. 
And then, you know, <laughs> the, the years go on and then you start to go, am I too old? You know, I've had some surgeries. I'm tired all the time. Am what I surgeries? I don't well, know. I've about- had a couple, I've had seven spine surgeries from ice hockey my whole life and um, stand-up comedy. And, uh, but no, I, I honestly. From Wait a minute. Hockey, stand-up comedy? I was kidding. I don't, you don't get next, you know. Well, some people do. I guess if you stand up all the time, it could be yeah, bad well, on you. Yeah, it's probably bad for your back. But I had a lot of surgeries. So, um, yeah, that's seven. So. On your back. Five on my back, two on my neck, my back, my neck, my, and my crack. That, you know, that's, that's a good song. Oh, it's, it's going to go down as one of the most well-written. Do you know my rap name? DJ Sags? No, it's, it's Peace Lit. Pee-slit. Yeah. It's just the, the little slit that you pee out of. <laughs> See, that's why I'm not a doctor. No, I actually said that once. I don't know where, but it, it can quiet a room, I'll tell you that. Oh, do you have a photographic memory, by the way? You seem like somebody who could just read I do, something. I remember stuff. I don't have a photographic memory or acting. I When it comes to, like, dialogue, it has to be good dialogue or I can't learn it. Um, I have to... When I was doing Full House, sometimes I would write stuff on a pencil. I would be like, uh, I love you, honey. I mean, literally something that inane, I couldn't remember. Yeah, I used to tell the prop guy on Smallville or some shows, I'm like, because I'd have to read these speeches. And I go, hey, in this book, I want you to have, this is something on my on my table or at my desk, and I want you to write the whole, have all in there. And I, or just up a little bit, or if they, I would hide, you hear these stories about different people doing it. And I would hide lines and this, and I had, there was one actor actually couldn't get his lines out and I was trying to make him feel comfortable. I wasn't being a dick. And he was, a, he was a, one of the most famous, he had one of the most famous dads in history. I can't say his name because I don't want to, you know, make fun because I was trying to be nice, but he couldn't remember his lines. You could see him freaking out. We've all been there. And so I go, you know what Tom and I do all the time? And I took the sides, the, 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 you know, the pages, I'm telling your audience, but the pages of the dialogue for the day. And I, I licked my palm and I stuck it. Yeah. To they my say head. Brando would do that without a problem would have yeah. lines written on the other actor's head. And he read it off my head. He read it off my head and it, and it worked. And I was like, Hey, any way you could do it. People don't see that. If, he ended up, I'm like, when they pieced it together, I'm like, he was better than me in that fucking scene. Yeah, I cause he wasn't worried about the lines. I mean, that's like, yeah. I would do that. Not a lot. I was in this play that I got to take over for an actor, Mark Kudish, who's very good, uh, called Hand to God uh, on Broadway. And I was in there the last three, I get like 77 performances or something. I wanted to do it. I would have loved to have done the whole run, but Mark was so great in it. And it's all these people that are just, it was this amazing dream experience, you know. And uh, have you done theater stuff? Yeah, a lot of theater. I started out in theater, and then I ended up doing some off Broadway, and then I ended up in New York, uh, booking a, booking a TV show and a movie, and then moved out to LA. But so, yeah, what did, was I, where did you do I, the theater? Uh, I did, at Western Kentucky University. I did theater throughout all my years. I mean, you know, uh, Heidi Chronicles, and you know, The Seagull, and a lot of plays. And then I went to uh, I went to New York, and I did some off Broadway, like you know, off opera, the Grove Street Playhouse. I did Dracula and I did a couple of things. And then as much as I love theater, once I started doing TV and movies, I just stopped doing the theater. And I remember loving theater so much, but then I realized, man, that is difficult to get up and do three hours every night and sometimes two shows. And uh, 
I, as much as I used to love an audience now, I kind of, I like the, I like just single camera stuff. Right. I don't like, you know, people talk about those, you know, doing a sitcom to me, you know, they change lines all the time They're doing, I don't know what happened to me, but I it doesn't always happen that way. There are people that do it differently. Like when I was a kid, I snuck into all in the family and I would watch how they did it and they would do it like a play. They would come in and just Norman or Bud Yorkin or whoever it was would go in and talk. I was 15. I watched all in the family getting shot at CBS and they did it in 90 minutes. They did the half hour. Um, and then they did a, a second show and that's how they got the show made. And then I would go see Mary Tyler Moore show getting made. And that would be James L. Brooks and 10 writers descending, which is probably your experience in the four camera world mine too, where, uh, you know, 12 people sometimes, then they would sometimes have two, the exec producers would be delegated. And then the other writers would stand around pitching ideas for things. And then we would be there going, Oh, I like that. What if we say this? And that's, there's different processes. Yeah. I'm not crazy about the process of always changing lines around. It becomes stressful. And it's like, I like the idea of learning something, working on it, knowing it inside out, creating a character and being able to pick up a cup, a cup or a phone or do whatever and still be talking. And that's how I always learned. And yeah, it, doing those sitcoms, it, it kind of, uh, I just remember my stress levels were always up and I didn't find it fun as much as I wanted to get through it and always striving to be great and not letting go where a lot of people say it's the easiest job in the world and you just work you know you record on friday and you're done you're off mondays i never saw it like that i always it was a stressful situation for me and so when i got into single camera stuff i i liked that and just coming to work and being able to play and really and know my stuff and things not changing a lot i don't like change that's good you're gonna make a great old man yeah, I know. Daddies, that's it. We're not going to IHAP. Don't trim that bush. Leave it the way it is. <laughs> Except you, Bob. Speaking you of it looks bigger. Speaking of trimming that bush, we're gonna take a quick break. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hello Sign, a Dropbox company. Sign documents 80% faster with HelloSign, the quickest way to get e-signatures for every type of document, so you can celebrate all those successful moments sooner. If you hate waiting for signatures, HelloSign is music to your ears. Try it for free today at hellosign.com. Has there ever been a year we're more excited for the holidays? Don't wait until the last minute, guys. Plan ahead and surprise her with something unexpected. Imagine her face when you hand her a Shane Company box tied with a burgundy bow. Does she already have a pair of stud earrings from Shane Company? Diamond, ruby, or sapphire? Trade them in for a larger size and only pay the difference from what you originally paid. Or maybe you got her engagement ring when you were young and just starting out. How about surprising her with a larger diamond? Or perhaps an exciting new diamond shape? You can upgrade her engagement ring at any time and you'll get full credit for your original Centerstone. Just pay the difference. Shane Company has the best upgrade policy in the business. If you're not sure where to start, make an appointment and we'll help you out. Surprise her with an upgrade this holiday and leave her speechless. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business, Shane Company and Shaneco.com. Okay, we're back. I mean, <laughs> that was exhausting. Um, was that Manscaped? Was that Manscaped? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure because I was still, you know, talking to you privately. 
Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I got you. Even though I listen to all my sponsors because I I support them because I I have to listen because I recorded it. So, <laughs> you know that that's important to, to care about your sponsors because they sometimes pay the bills when the check. I always clears. try. I always try to like. You're like, hey, how do we keep a sponsor along? How do we? How do I? You know, I want to give them enough where I'm not just reading it. I'm just kind of like I'm. I want to give them a little something because if people don't think you're so, it's it's hard. It's a hard thing. You gotta. You got to believe it. You got to like it. And that's why when they ask me, what do you think about this? I'm like, I could never sell that pass. That one. Yes. Uh, CBD. I, I got back pain. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. You know, that the CBD, you know, it's hemp. But but, and, and, but then I, I look at some people's podcasts and I they're doing stuff I couldn't do because they say express your own sincere opinion about it in your own words about the product. And then I tell my people that do this, uh, my people, they're not my people, people that I work with. I say, hey because I own them, because uh, they're, they're chained outside my house, and they run the podcast company, and I don't, can't get out of that. Um, God, it just, everything you say that sounds wrong, people take it to a place where you don't even mean to take it, except for the name of your podcast, Inside of You. That, there's only one way to take that. And, that's, I'm not, and I have hats, too, and people are like, what, what's that? I'm like, oh, fuck, it's... Uh, See, I could never... Hat. But it doesn't say your name on it, right? Uh, it says inside of you, Michael Rosenbaum. It's small print. But you know what? I've got, uh, you know, I started doing some merch because people are like, you should have merch on your show. So I have the cool mugs I showed you. Uh, and I went to the post office and I was delivering some merch. And uh, the guy, Jose, down on Laurel Canyon, uh, post office, I go, he's like, oh, that's a cool, it's your podcast. You have a mask. And uh, I go, you want me to bring you one? He's like, Yeah. So the next time I came, I brought him one, and then I came back a month later, and I go, where's your mask? He goes, oh, I got in trouble. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, they're that's inappropriate. You can't wear your inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum mask. Because it just says inside of you, the post office. It's just like, oh. you know, that's the first thing you think. You know, the guy uh, getting my boxes, he's got inside of you. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're the U.S. Yeah, there, there's something graphic about having it over your mouth. <laughs> It's different if you put if you had underpants. If you made underpants and it's on the uh, either front or back, you you it yeah. would score. And then the other person's pants say soon. You know. <laughs> Coming soon. Coming soon. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have a lot I want to talk about. Um You said that ten minutes ago. You said I have a lot to talk about. I know, about. but then I go off on tangents and I ruin everything for everyone. People that don't uh, try their products and back them up. Like you go back in the day, Howard Stern made Snapple happen. They could not have chosen a, a better person on the earth to make that an actual beverage. In fact, I think they're, they're probably hurting since they're not in that heyday of what he did. But, yeah. but like they'll say to me, Hey, these are uh, edible gummies that, uh, you know, have THC in them. And I'm like, well, where's my supply? I didn't get any. You know, put in your own words how much you like it and how it relaxes you. I said, I don't have words. Where are my gummies? You know, <laughs> I, I want my payola. Yeah, I always ask for product. I always ask for product. Like, you know, some companies are like, oh, Echelon, you make a rower? Can I have a rower? And I want to see how good your rower is. Oh, can I have some CBD stuff? Oh, can I have a Theragun? Sure. <laughs> I want to use these things. I know. I I, I've got, I'm getting all kinds of new sponsors, flamethrowers, uh machine guns i'm just i'm getting ready i'm getting ready for oh, yeah. for the great battle of wits that's happening right now 
<laughs> Are you have you been stressed during all this through quarantine and yeah, extremely. Um, you know, in the beginning, I it was it, it actually I, I it reduced my stress because it was an excuse. You know, the the FOMO. Uh, there was nothing to. You're not missing out on anything. I'm at home. Everybody else is at home. I'm not missing things. Uh, I'm a hermit in a, way, a lot of ways anyway. And I same. Like but then. Uh, you know, my dog got real sick and almost died. I had to carry the dog while it's defecating all over the place to the emergency room. I'm crying. I'm trying to. So we saved the dog. And then, you know, like a week later, we don't have to get into it because, you know, we, you know, we talk about it in my podcast, but, you know, my sister died. And then, you know, all the, then I found I had skin cancer. So I was like, wait a minute. Know, I didn't know about the skin cancer. I know, but I was on my thigh. It wasn't a big deal, but it was a little weird to hear the doctor. You know, I had this little dot on my thigh. A dot, I'm telling you. It was raised, and then it grew twice the size in about a week. And I go, "Did it itch? Did it itch? Because they sometimes itch." It itched, and I said to my friend Carrie, "I go, what do you think?" He's, she's like, "She's a nurse." She goes, "You know, I would just get it checked out." So I went to the doctor, uh, Doctor Rifkin, who's amazing. And he oh, he's a, out of jail. He's out of jail now. Yeah. And uh, he said, uh, "You know what? It's probably nothing. Let's just get rid of it." And then two weeks later, I'm hanging out with a friend, and I go, "Oh, it's the dermatology." Uh, hold on. Hello. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I. It's, it's, so I have cancer. Yes. It was just weird hearing that. Even if it's skin cancer and it was squamous, it's kind of the there's like something and then squamous and then melanoma. They go. It's nothing really to worry about. We see this a lot. It's still in your head. You have cancer. That your body is susceptible to let for it to grow. Right. So I went in there and they cut it out. It was a big fucking chunk, man. You want to see a picture of this? I'd like to see it. Do you have it? Yeah, they pulled a fucking chunk out of my, I was like, you can't you know, cook you bro- can't cook that up, can you? Huh? Like John Lennon supposedly ate his kids placenta, which probably isn't oh, true at all. God, but he cooked it up it. right. I mean, he did it in a skillet and everything. But I don't oh, think man, I don't think look. he did it. I think I think almost everything we've ever been told is bullshit. I'm not a conspiracy. I'm the opposite of a conspiracy theorist. I think so much of it is how people. It's very hard to sift through. Even people go, "Let's get back to the days of Walter Cronkite." We had one newscaster giving us the one news. You know, three people: Huntley and Brinkley, and him. And okay, there we're we're going to see your. I'm glad you. Just, I mean, this is gross. So you know, guys. Uh, Everybody, look away. But there it is. Is that your penis? That's my uh, left penis. Whoa! So that's. That's a little bean. They took out a yeah, bean. Yeah, like a little bean. And so, you know. Now, where, was, where was it? It was right on my thigh. So. What's you know, that? Was, Is that your vagina? What was that? My vagina, my stitched vagina. But I told him, I said, I remember lying there and I go, you're going to numb me, right? He goes, oh, I already took it out of you. He was that quick and good. And that Is that hard. is that little bean that you just showed me? Is that like an inch long? That It was about that big. That's about an inch. It, it, it was bigger than an yeah it was bigger i can't than an really tell on the zoom how well, big your, how big would you say your penis well, how big your pants look in your pants and just i can't get my fingers apart that much <laughs> i can't even you know some people the loser thing is a really a measurement for some people but you, i can't get my thumb to stretch long enough for all but, of the look, activity I said it on my podcast. I, I said it, and it wasn't to get honestly. I sort of got not to get attention, but I go, "What? What do you do for the podcast? You, you, 
you talk about things and you're vulnerable and the guests open up about things. So they, they, you know, they get something, you get something, it helps everybody. And then the audience really has some entertainment and some human connection because a lot of people are alone right now. They are, they are really alone. They're alone. alone. Admit it. I I wanted to say, Hey, listen, it's nothing to worry about. My doctor's not worried, but I want to tell you if you have something on your leg or your arm or your neck, just go get it checked out because it was actually cancer. And they can just get it rid of it. Did they check your whole? Bo- did they check your whole body for all that oh, stuff? Oh yeah, he looked at my shaft, my scrotum, the tainted lung. Did he remove you know. your penis? Uh, they didn't remove the penis, but uh, he checked everything. And he said, uh, "I said, is this going to come back?" He goes, "Well, probably not this one, but you'll probably have others." And I go, "Oh fuck, just come in here every six months." So that's what I do. Do you lay in the sun? Is that how it could happen? Because vitamin D is very good for you. However. The uh, sun, because, you know, we're burning the cerebral cortex of the earth, which doesn't exist if you know the world is flat and that, uh, you know, Democrats eat babies in a pizza gate. But um, no, this uh, what was the question? again? I don't know. I went all QAnon on you. And why give them press? Um, <laughs> no, I, I just uh, look, the whole thing was was quick <laughs> and people learn from, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, hey. You know, you talking about your divorce on my podcast. You talking about this. People go, oh, you know, hey, he went through it. Well, I, I could I could show you a picture of my ex-wife. You can show me a picture of your cancerous melanoma. That's what you can show thank me. Thank you. That thank is you, that's your significant other. Yeah. And it, it, it's kind of a divorce. It was a divorce of a, of a, but I don't like that it's cancerous. So you want to always check. Do you get a colonoscopy? I had one. By the way, it's similar, though, like a, a spouse or whatever, uh, cancer. You want to say, you know, goodbye. You're killing me. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, you're a cancer. And people you're say that life. about people in their lives that have turned negative on them. And a lot of people listening right now you're a cancer. are right now. Yeah, not the sign, not not in the Scorpio Venus kind of way. But oh, there is no Venus. But um, uh, <laughs> you're an Aries. But um, but have to have people in your life that aren't moving you forward, that are negative, that mistreat you. People always say, get the cancer. We have to remove the cancer from your life. And that's pretty extreme because you could take someone, say it's your parent and you, you want, and people are saying that, that my, that parent of mine is a cancer in my life and I have to remove them from my life. You could also give that parent, even if they're not uh, cancer ridden chemo and radiation just to, uh, you know, even if they don't have any cancer just to remove the cancer from your life if you were incredibly stupid (laughs) if you had you had no iq and there's people out there right now that are taking my advice and they're gonna get but bob's here for you but you know with with all that i i think it 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 is true it's like it takes you a while but how many times have you had someone in your life for years and gone if you just ask yourself one day what purpose do they serve what do they do for me? And I'm not saying uh, monetarily or I'm saying, what do they provide you with? Because you give them all these things like your attention and your aromatherapy and walk them off a ledge. And, and like, do, do they help you? No, they take from you. They take the energy out of you, the money out of you, whatever it is. And do they give anything back? If you have a friend that's just fun to be around, that's enough or loyal well that's, that's what it that that is that's, that's the enough. definition of a friend not who loans you money because you don't want to borrow money either uh i've made the mistake of loaning money in my life not to a friend but to an acquaintance and of course never saw it again you're giving money away when you loan it 
Um, and that's not has nothing to do with friendship. It, it does if you really want to help somebody that you love a lot, and that's different, especially if it's a kid or someone. That's that's a gift if you can afford it. Absolutely. But when people always are asking you for money and they're always the victim and they're always broke and they can't figure it out and they can't budget their lives. And it's almost like it. Once I started making money, certain people needed my money. Yeah. They needed money. They didn't ask me for money when I didn't have money because they knew I didn't, but they didn't ask me. They didn't, which they, but suddenly when you have money, they ask you for it. Well, I didn't know you ever needed money before. But I never even dealt, I just go across the board, I don't loan money, but if you have a charity you want me to give to, and I do a lot of that, I mean, I do as much as I can. I have a cousin who I love to this day, haven't talked to in years, because he kind of threw the family away, kind of turned on the whole family, and, and couldn't just let bygones be bygones or whatever the expression from the Great Depression, which is next year, but... um. But he, he wanted me, to, he came up with this invention um, that you would use, I can't get too specific because I don't want to upset him, but you would use, how do I explain it? It was, an, it was just an invention, okay? And you used it in your bathroom and, um, and wanted me to put my face on the box like you would back in the day. This is like, it must have been 20 years ago when he asked me to do this. And he said, you know, might have been longer. I mean, it might have been like 1998 or something. Maybe that, yeah, 20 years ago. So, um, and it would have had me on the product and it would have been sold, you know, on infomercials and it would have been sold in, you know, in Costco or in Kmart or whatever, Target or whatever. And I just said, I don't do this. I, this isn't me. There, there really isn't uh, enough money for me to do that. I, I just, I'm, that's not me. I'm not here to be famous and I don't want to be doing that. Um, I'll do other stuff, you know, uh, I have other things that I do many different things, none of them. Well, but he didn't talk to me after that. I never spoke to him again because he never forgave me really for not helping him with his great invention, which is not really, um, it was a good invention for people that couldn't afford plumbing. (laughs) Well, 20 years ago, we didn't have plumbing, so. Back no. in the day, you know, it would be, it's a perfect invention for the Amish. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. I'm upset about that because there's people in my life that I share family history with that I wish things were different. But yet I find myself now, and I bet you feel the same way. And we talked about this a little bit on your podcast, uh, Inside of You, is that we are reaching out to people more, I think, or I alluded to it with you, during quarantine it's like the conversation just picks up and you just i am really holding close to my heart the people that mean something to me now do you find that yeah i I do and i and also what's great about doing this podcast is the friends that i have on like you and i talked for an hour on mine now we're talking for an hour hopefully not more but um, no, no it's actually we're we're gonna go. We're, I wait. We're, no. no, 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 we're not gonna go. We're gonna keep going. Good because what I'm saying no, is because we're gonna get. I want to know more about. I want to see more of the cancer and the holes with the stitches. I want to see that. <laughs> How dare you? That Frankenstein no, think, shit. Don't you think it's great that you know? For me, I'm talking to these people like yourself and others, 
that I consider friends, but then you really talk to them for an hour and you're like, wow, I, I don't really, I haven't gotten this deep with this person ever. I feel like I'm actually closer to them. So doing the podcast has enhanced friendships. That's completely accurate. And that has happened a lot over the years, even with people doing talk shows. You would do a talk show and all of a sudden you'd hit it off with someone and say, hey, do you want to exchange numbers? Of course, I'm not mentioning, <laughs> that wouldn't be David Letterman or Johnny Carson, but I, I did have, while I was doing those shows, I had a, a closeness with them that was instantaneous, not unlike this, but podcasts are different. They're full-length form, and the conversation grows into something, and then you and I, when things are back, or, or when things are, when we're out, when we're, uh, when there's the vaccine's been proven, and it doesn't freeze your private parts. Um, it's got to be in 30 degree below <laughs> censored. censored. So I know, I know. I'm just having trouble. I 30 keep... degree census. <laughs> what is the census? I refuse to fill it out. But the polls were wrong. Why is it always the polls? The Scandinavians could have been wrong. The Yugoslavians. See, it's a pun. Remember Polish jokes? That's why we don't do them. <laughs> Uh, you know what's really important to me? What's that? That we take this quick break. And we're back. Um, so now we can talk forever because I got a lot of sponsors. Well, you know, I take two breaks. I like to take two breaks. It gives you a chance to take a breath. And you, you, I think you caught, I caught you while you were taking a sip of this giant jug of whatever the hell that is. Just my, uh, my friend Jess got me this and it, it, it makes sure it makes you drink the amount of water you're supposed to drink in a day. Because in the back it says by this point, you're it's good morning. Uh, you've drank by 9am you've drank this much. You've got it. And it goes on. Don't stop. Let's get it. Keep drinking. No excuses. You just pissed your pants and well done. But it didn't say that. But like, it just like, it goes, I know I need to drink one of these in the day. So I'm, you know, I need to drink the rest of it. And it's kind of a, I need something like that. I have ADD. I forget it. I'll have a root beer. I'll talk to you for now. And I'm like, I'm dehydrated. But three quarters of the way down, shouldn't it just say you just drank all your backwash? This isn't water at this point. Oh yeah. I didn't read that part. Now, wait a minute. You're ADD. So um, are you, are high def? Are you ADHD? What's the no, difference? No, I just I run a security system through through your brain. ADT, I said. ADT. No, How about AT, ATM? It, Don't you think that you know money machines? You know ATMs. Don't you think they're upset that it has another connotation in a, a more foul world? <laughs> Wait, what does ATM stand for? I can't tell you because it would be gross. It deals with your butt and then someone else's mouth. Oh, ass to mouth. Is that what it means? I don't talk that way, but if you want to go there, I, I mean, I can't stop you. Um, yeah, ATM is a well-known thing, but it's also where you get your money, which means if you put your mouth on someone else's ass, odds are money's going to come out of that ass, and you're going to come into money. Put your money where your ass, ass is. is. Well, enough about my childhood. <laughs> So how do you deal with being um, ADD? <laughs> what do you do? What do you do besides your, all right. your tone? You're like, how do you do? How that? do you deal with that besides ADD. being inside of me? <laughs> you know, I, uh, 
I've, I've embraced it. I don't want to like, you know, it's like, you know, there's certain parts of you that you don't want to, I could sit here all day and go, I need a pill for this and I need a pill for that. And I'm this. And I can't, the reality is you don't want to lose your personality. So I've always, I never really was on any pills for the most part. And then the last couple of years, I went to someone I really trusted and they're like, you know, I think you could benefit. I think people's chemistry, their brain chemistry, everybody's different. And if you need a little something to make you feel a little more normal or a little bit more focused or a little more, you know, uh, it's, it's not a bad thing. Um, I was, I totally young- believe it in, in proper medical treatment. Exactly. At a young age, I should have been diagnosed. I could not focus at all. If you looked at my report cards, D's, C's, F, D, Michael cannot keep his attention. He disrupts class. He does this. I was like, and nobody was calm with me. My parent, my father didn't sit with me and go, I'm going to you have patience with me. I, you know, I'm a dad of three amazing daughters and I think I was deficient. I know, I know now what I didn't know then. And I, but I wish I could have done that because my freneticness, my workaholic insanity spread through the house. My ex-wife, their mom was dealing with me. Um, and my wife now, my wonderful Kelly, is her name i think i'm not sure she says it is but but she deals with i'm not an easy person and do you think that's maybe why you're single because you feel that no one would get you because you have stuff uh i I think there's that definitely i've always had that i'm not good enough no matter how much success i have i always feel like you don't deserve it you know you're not now i'm i've been working on that and um but that, that that again stems from childhood it really does like when you feel you're not good enough or no matter what you do it's not enough right you have to find it within you really to and that takes some like you know people have always looked down on therapy but now it's becoming a little that we're normalizing it by having these conversations and and talking about things um and it's important and by doing that i i realize wait a minute how did i get this far you didn't get this far because you're stupid you didn't get this far because you you know there's things that you start to realize. And when you're, it doesn't matter if you, like I could go up and do a, I remember, you know, I was doing stand up and I would do, I had a great night, 500 people or whatever, packed house comedy store and 25 minutes and everyone's laughing, a big applause. I feel the jokes landing and I feel great. And then I wake up and I feel like shit. Well, welcome to stand up. It goes back the whole way. It's like, oh, my God, I'm not going to be that good. And then you start stressing and anxiety. And how do I repeat last night? We've heard that a lot from people. There's that famous Lawrence Olivier story where someone comes backstage and says to him, that was the most amazing performance I've ever seen. And he's supposedly very teary and depressed. And they say, why are you so upset? And supposedly he says, I don't know how I did it. I mean, he was there for it, but he doesn't know how... It just happened, and the answer is we're human beings, and you can be the best actor in the world, and certain people that are, including him, uh, their stuff that would get thrown on the floor in the editing room is everybody else's best take. You know, that's yeah. that, they're that yeah. good. But you, I, tell me about the stand-up. How long did you do stand-up for? Well, I'll tell you this, by the way, I thought you were going to say Lawrence Olivier. I was going to say this because in my mind, this is what I, I imagined right when you gave the punchline of what Olivier said, I thought of what I would say. 
And when they said, hey, you were great tonight, and with tears in his eyes, he would I would have said, but what about tomorrow night? Right, which is what he was saying. It's the same. Well, what he was saying, it's the same. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, it's always that you want to be great. I got to be great. And that's why I'm doing things like music and like art, things like. Okay, so, so let's go. Art, you, do you, are you an oil painter? No, I, uh, when I went to, I went to a, a what do you call it? A, Commune? A rehabilitation center, um, but not for drugs or alcohol, but just my mind needed to kind of, I needed to really start to figure myself out. So I, I went away, which really freaked a lot. How of long friends. did you go for? Three weeks, 21, 21. But that's a short, that's a short thing. I mean, I, it, I've had a lot intense, of. Though. I was there in Connecticut, 21 days, meetings all day. Like they, you're like, it's an investment. And I learned a lot about myself and, um, you know, I, on my schedule, it said art therapy. And I go, fuck that. Can we do some, uh, let's do some real fuck. fuck. I want to get in my brain. They're like, no, no, try this. I'm like, ah, I'm not, I don't really want to do art. And they're like, uh, why don't you just try it? And the more you say that, the more they know that's the, that's the trigger. That's the answer. Well, I went and this is funny. It's like day two. And I'm like, I remember day one. I'm like, you're not going to, you're not, I'm not treatable. I, you always feel like, you know, there's other guys that have made everybody listening thinks they're not treatable. Most of them will never go to therapy. One, they can't afford it. Two, some yeah. of the therapists just suck. Um, That's true. You gotta I, find I've had horrible that. therapists. I've had people in my life, which, you know, genetically the DNA in my family leads you to therapy or psychiatry. They have no choice. Um, and I've watched malpractice type stuff and big pharma shoving shit down your throat and just to sell the drugs and it's garbage and it's lies. Right. And we've been through all that, but then there are things that work. So now art therapy day two, are you saying that that was a miracle for you? I went, the woman's name was Comer and she said, okay. And I remember going, looking at her thinking, what have I become? I'm talking to this woman about, about to do art class and i go listen would it have been different if she been a man no 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 had no no, it didn't no i'm trying to call you out and get you canceled <laughs> yeah you're right I'm talking to of, this woman so anyway no but i i looked at her i go listen well, i'm gonna t- i'm gonna tell you something i'm not good at art she goes doesn't matter i go eh, listen i'm colorblind i i just i can you know well you I, have an excuse for everything Right. Well, get ready. How do you We're feel? Not- Here's a picture of my melanoma. Wow. Uh, yeah, Why won't you go out yeah. with me again? I know. I, I, I sat at this table and she goes, well, you could try the acrylics or the pastels or the, and I go, I'm looking at, I can't differentiate these fucking colors. She goes, just pick a color. So I'm drawing Bob and I'm, she goes, just draw and don't think about anything. Just do it. I don't care if you draw circles. And I'm telling you, I'm starting to draw and I'm doing these things and 15 minutes goes by and I'm kind of lost and just like whatever. And I look up at this sweet woman who's sitting across from me, Comer, and she's doing her thing. And I look up at her and I just started crying. And she looked at me and she goes, are you, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, you know, she goes, no, you, we could stop. Or she goes, I didn't realize you hated art this much. No, she didn't say that. And I said, <laughs> no, uh, listen, um, I'm telling you, I didn't think about this, Bob. This was, this just came out of me. It was cathartic. I said, 
I got F's in art. My art teacher wasn't really nice to me. I, no one took the time with me to, I, I you know, I, I was colorblind. I, I could, and all of a sudden it all came out. And I remember going to high school and when I walked by the art class, I would let the smell of art class freaked me out. I was like, it just scared me. I'm gonna, I, it's, it was a failure. It's something that I'm hiding like away from, like get away from me. I can't do that. I'm not made. And so my whole life, I, I, I didn't even realize it, but I wouldn't do it because I was so bad at it and I was ridiculed. And I was like, as a kid, and all of a sudden I go, I looked at her, I go, and here are, here's you taking the time and being patient with me and calm. And this is all you ever needed. And I, it just, it came out and I was like, wow. And so when I came back to LA, I just said, Hey, I'm going to have an art night. And what, and I go, I told my friends, I go, this is kind of what happened. You can call it weird or stupid or cheesy or, but it, I don't have to be great. I could just draw and it doesn't matter. And I'm not a good artist at all. And you don't have to be And, and what she was saying, what the whole thing is, is you don't, always have to be great you right. don't always have to be good it's just about being in the moment and and honestly it sounds ridiculous but no it doesn't it sounds exactly how, correct and the, how, the other thing is to get past the childhood traumas and there's some people that have been through more trauma than you, yeah. you or i will ever know and i've I I know people that have been, and I'm close with people that have been through the worst things that can happen to a person. You know, the worst, including death, including heinous things and being victimized, horrific stuff. And to somehow move forward from that um, is that's, and that's people that are listening that don't go to therapy that can even hear that that they can be okay, that they can review in their own mind. It would be great to go to a professional that understands the roots of all that. Uh, but, and not to be afraid of the right med either. Was Were you on Ritalin at some point as a kid? No, I was never on anything as a kid. In fact, I wasn't on anything until I went through a breakup and uh, it, you know, it was pretty rough. And, you know. Would, was, you, would you say rougher on you because of your sensitive demeanor yeah i i felt like i had failed i had really failed and it hit me and i just didn't know how to deal with it and it was the first loss that i think i really had i mean i was dating this <laughs> this gorgeous beautiful woman inside out and uh i was young and i thought you know what i'm taking a break i'm gonna do my thing and i'm gonna you know i'm still gonna and I said, I'm taking a break. And then by the time I was ready and came back and I was like, wow, something hit. And I knew that it was right. She had moved on. And it was just like I had you don't change. People don't change until what their actions uh, cause like loss. When you're responsible for real loss and like you like you, I could have had something great, but my ego and all these other things got in the way. And then that made me pay attention to your ego and what you want out of life. And it just made me go, this is a reality check, dude. Don't let the great things that are in front of you get away. Don't let, and and then after that, it was worse because I'd get in relationships and stay in them thinking, oh, I don't know, maybe there's something good about this person. I should stay in this longer. And then you end up being in it too long because you don't want to recreate what happened in and the And you past. also don't want to go through the breakup process, which is one of the worst things that you can have. I mean, I've yeah. been, been divorced, and divorce can be was worse than death sometimes because oh. 
it, it never ends sometimes. And other times it's like, it doesn't matter who, well, it hurts more, I guess, if you're the, as Woody Allen called it, always a good frame of reference for relationships, but actually, yes, sat is that might upset some people, but, uh, but he said, uh, the don't discount lever guilt. So are you the lever or the levy? And, uh, the lever has a lot of guilt and people go, well, that's just bullshit because you're the one that left and left me. And, but that's it. I never, I still haven't always gotten over how it's affected everybody, including my ex-wife and my kids. And, but we got products of divorce all through this world. You know, your parents did not get divorced. Oh yeah, they did. Your parents got divorced. My parents. <laughs> that's the, that's the that's the Chris Farlier interviewer. <laughs> so your parents weren't divorced. Your parents were divorced. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you something about my. Oh my uh, God, do I miss him? God, uh, he was my favorite comedian of all time. By yeah. The way. Favorite comedian. Uh, I I got to yeah I had some great moments with him. I I, I just. There's nobody that committed like that guy. Talk about commitment. He couldn't control it. It was literally him. And I directed Dirty Work, which is his last film. Wow. And so I got to spend, it was just a week, but he was there every day um, and he was not healthy. And I felt so sad and I loved him so much. And I tried to be like a dad to him because that's what he needed. And, you know, but I, you can't babysit people. Um, and yeah, I've learned that lesson where, you know, I've always been, I think sort of a parent in a lot of ways to my family. And, uh, you know, even from, you know, out of college, like when my parents got divorced after 27 years, uh, whoa. So how old were you when they got divorced? Well, I, you know, my mom, you know, my mom was married and she had my brother and sister and then she got divorced and at like 19 years old already with two kids, she was pregnant at 16. She married my dad when, when she was 23 with a five and seven year old. And my dad was 18. So they got married 27 years. Forgive me for saying this, but your mom's horny. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, you know, I, I know you of, don't think um, of her that way, but I'm, well, I'm no, just here I, to help I, you. No, but you know, when they got divorced, you know, I definitely became the, I remember even like, you know, my brother talking to me about like talking him off a ledge, my older brother and my sister uh, many times, just, I was always the one people went to. I was always the media, the, the one in the middle that was just trying to make everybody like each other. And- I did that also. And I, I have assumed and what oh. I, what I've learned through my work on myself is that I want that role. It It was given to me for a reason and I'm not trying to get spiritual or anything it's just I, I it's in my face all the time to have that role and i like it and i accept it so i i get it with people that like my work don't like my work well most of the time i don't i do hear from them also but but to i love taking care of my wife and my kids and people i different. care about that's different you're a dad and that's different but emotionally but are- is i mean emotionally i mean you know to be there to really hold people up and people come that's to okay, me Bob. that's okay but when i used to resent it because i went who takes care of me which then i that's- go 
Yep. And then I go, wait a minute. So I got to take care of me. And then you know what happened when I started to learn to take care of myself and we were going back, this is going back an hour in our conversation right now, but it's to forgive yourself for stuff you did, which is stuff we talked about earlier that I didn't get to say, and then love yourself, which is one of the hardest things in the world to do uh, for many, many people. And if you love yourself and it's the ego love, then that's not real. Uh, cause that's not going to get anywhere if it's all ego and id, uh, I know I've just lost most of the people, but if it's, but if it's, uh, true love and go, this is the best I made mistakes, uh, but I did it my way. But to, to, to know that you, uh, you're proud of yourself to be proud of yourself is it's one of the best feelings that I've experienced when I've helped people, when I've my daughters have said, dad, you know, we appreciate you so much. And then I say, look right in their eyes and say, how much do you need? Um, cause it's all about money. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I, I hear you, Bob, I, I do. And it makes sense. Um, but yeah, loving yourself. That's, that's another thing. That's something that, you know, I, I've been working on, but you're and, a great guy. And as well, it's as, easy to, I'm telling I feel like yeah. slapping you around. I feel like that's why I don't like this quarantine because I would just bam, bam. Because you, yeah. you, you, I know, I've known you a long time. Of course, I mean, my ego was out of control when I was 30 and I had two shows in the top 10. Does that make a person who's real kind and takes care of everybody? No, your ego's all over the place. You go on talk shows, you're, you're a warrior, you know, you're, and not a warrior. And, a warrior or a warrior? It's the Jew doesn't know. Well, the, the a Jewish person, if they've been through World War II, then they're both because um, they, they got through. But You won't get canceled for that statement. No. Well, I will for people that don't like the Jewish people because they're part of something that believes something that's stupid and nuts because they have the education of a, of a pizza parlor that eats kids. <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, I really want that edited out but uh i couldn't help it so maybe we'll keep it um yeah. i don't cut the show too much because uh i'm afraid to but but what i was going to say is you're such a special guy and you are smart and you're you're what grandmothers would call a good catch so yeah uh you know i it certainly is nice to uh hear it and you know my grandmother says it and people will say it and I'm humble and I'm appreciative and I take it in, but I, it's, it's very hard for me to believe it. It's it, there's a difference. I hear it and I'm like, well, Bob doesn't really know me. That's why he's saying that I'm, he, I'm, I'm saying things that make him think that I'm a good guy. I'm not saying I'm a serial killer. Well, I'm saying, do you want to I contact me when you're really at your worst? And then I can be a real judge of it. You know, when you're really like, going crazy like Jeff Goldblum and the fly, that kind of thing when you're in the mirror and pus is coming no, out of your mouth. And I don't think like I haven't, you know, it's not a matter of like, it's just an essence sort of how you, how you feel. I think I'm just constantly working on myself and I'm like, okay, you're doing a good thing. But I, I think that there's still something else. I think, you know, uh, what's his name? Who God kill me for forgetting. He passed away and Gary Shamling. Yeah. Gary Shamling, well, I, like, I started you know, with Gary. That whole, you know, 
I don't know, esoteric sort of like that, that, you know, in his book and the, in the documentary that Judd Apatow did, and he was searching for a higher, you know, just a high, just a sense of just something else. There's gotta be more There's gotta be a guy. I want a sense of just being, we've all, this is look, people have talked about this since the beginning of time. You just want to be able to be, you don't want to try. You don't want to, you can just be yourself. And I absolutely, when I watched that, when I, you know, when I was reading, I, I felt, I get it. He just, because there's certain things in your life that make, have made you hurt and they have, they're sort of, they're glued to you. They stick to you. They, and no matter how much you work on them, they, for some reason, they stay with you. They just, they're, they're, they're there. Well, he and, has a couple of things where he was betrayed and that carried on later in his life. And I was in his life for a long time and then not in his life. And that's in the documentary and, and my conflict. But the biggest betrayal that he had was that his brother died and his parents never told him. He just wasn't there anymore. And I don't think there's something that's, that's like a sin against nature to not have at least that level of communication with your kid, mm -hmm. that your brother yeah. didn't just go away, that he passed away. Right. Um, and that's who, how, who do you trust after that? And if you get burned again, how do you forgive after that? Well, I think there's an element to, you know, what you're saying and what I, how I feel it, it, it's, it's not that you think, Oh my God, I'm a bad hurt person. I should go to hell. I don't think that, but there's, I'm just, you know, you have these movie posters around you and uh, I've had success and I have great friends who love me and I have family and I have, you know, you look on the out, you know, it's, it's easy to say, what are you talking about? You got it all. It, it's easy to go look around you and go, I do look at this, but to be able to take it in, you got to think that there's something else, that there's something else that what's my purpose. Like really, I think that's what you're, you're we're all striving for where we're just, it's not just, about you know success and with success and something else and it's hard to really lock well, it's in. not at all because those are externals they're the outcome of putting in the right kind of work that affects people that makes people oh, yeah. laugh that affects them emotionally i mean i truly have and maybe it's part of what this reset that we've all been forced into uh against our will that just happened and that I have more purpose for what I want to do than I ever have in my whole life. And I think it's given me, it's kind of reinvigorated me to, to do what I'm doing and to, to entertain and to, or tell a story or, I mean, I love directing you, you love directing you. The movie you directed was just a few years ago too. Um, yeah, I, I directed a little raunchy uh, film called back in the day with our buddy Harlan Williams, Nick Swartzen, uh, Marina Baccarin. Um, and it was a joy. It was a little $600,000 movie in my hometown of Indiana. And it was incredibly uh, difficult, very fulfilling. But um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, I think that that's what, that's part of it is I'm always, I'm always doing so many things and um, I get bored easily. And then I'm like, well, you're not acting right now. It's like, well, you know, you, you know, why aren't you doing that? And then uh, the, my mind is always spinning and it needs a break. Sometimes it needs a break and it doesn't take breaks. And well, that you that, need, you need help with that. And then that, that can come through, as you know, uh, meditation, or it can come through the proper med mix. I mean, sure. 
sure. But like, I mean, I know people on Lexapro and it's made them focus, but then they can't go to sleep. So, yeah, no, but I will say that, you know, you're right. This quarantine has, has changed me in a lot of ways, but ultimately I think, you know, when I think of like, what's my gift, what's my purpose, I I really believe it is to, to uh, help people in some way to help people, to connect to people, to, um, you know, and I do try to do that, but but I always feel like I don't do it enough. I'm not helping enough. But you're, but you're doing enough. Help. You're doing it, then do it a little more, you know? They yeah. just why, why be hard on yourself? Just do it a little more. You were not this person when I met you two decades ago. You were not this guy. Yeah. You were not, and I was not this guy. We, yeah, we, were, we were hitting on the same person. You know, it was, we were, you know, <laughs> it was like the days of Entourage. We were kooky you know i, I was yeah. you know what it is it's about you know even my whole life it's like you know you get attention i'm the center of attention you're the center of attention you walk in a room you make people laugh this is and we put on a show and sometimes you're like you know it's the same story it's like and maybe that's okay though maybe that's how i when i go in a room whether it's celebrities or whether it's people i don't know celebrities or i i feel like to be accepted i have to just no, oh, all you have to do is be yourself. And if that happens to be an amped up person that has a lot of energy at that moment, that's fucking fine. But if, it's a, but if it's a person that wants to say nothing, there's strength in that also. Now, if you're saying nothing because you're intimidated or you feel like I don't belong here or how did that person like me or, oh, my God, I interrupted that person. Why did I do that? I'm kind of over that because I've done that often on my whole life in an erotic right. way. Every interpersonal relationship, I'd be like, oh, my God. Uh, that that person what do they think and they're not thinking what i'm thinking they're thinking you know they're right. it's all it's not all about us everybody's got so much shit going on right now exactly. and some people are doing amazing in their career and they're still not happy and some people are doing amazing in their career and they're thrilled and some people don't want to work at all and they're happy and some people are depressed on every level it could be they've got kids that are sick they they're sick I mean, you're lucky you were able to show me a picture of a stitched up little tumor taker outer, you know? <laughs> there was nothing. I told you it was nothing. You should actually put that as your Tinder profile picture. <laughs> Just that <laughs> removed Cam- little melanoma. Skin cancer survivor. Skin <laughs> yeah. cancer survivor. <laughs> swipe right and you'll see you get to open these stitches. Or you swipe right and you'll yeah. see who this came out of. Right. All of a sudden, it's like this nice picture of me. And oh, look at that. Oh, he's kind of okay. And like, oh, he plays hockey. And then, oh, what the fuck is this? Oh, is that a severed wiener? What is that? What is that? And then they contact you and they go, what is that? So you actually used it to your advantage. And you go, oh, it was only about three quarters of an inch long and it came out of me. But it was on my thigh. Oh, that was an accident. I didn't mean to put that picture in there. (laughs) How did I get there? I was cooking kidney pie. It looks like a kidney. It does. It looks edible. It looks like something you would eat. Well, I don't know. I I would. I'm not a cannibal, but that thing looked tasty. (laughs) You're a little bit of cancer. I mean, I think that would be really good with like a brown sauce. Maybe some brown rice. Brown rice, but you need more of them. So, is there any way you can grow a whole bunch of them? I'm gonna throw up. Please, I don't want to grow any more. How do you, do you smoke? No, I smoke intermittently. I was smoking. Like I've never been a smoker my whole life. It's like, 
you know, all of a sudden I'm smoking for three months and then I'm not smoking and then I'm smoking socially. And then now I'm vaping a little bit. I, I don't like it. You know, I, I'm just doing it to get away from but does cigarettes. But it, does it calm you down? I don't think so. I think uh, I don't need to do anything. I think that, uh, you know, I think I've got to learn to exercise more and stay in my routine. And Same, I, I same here. I've been exercising a lot. I've been... Um, I put a pinky in my butt and I I move my <laughs> pelvic area. That's good. That's good. Hit the, hit the I, I burned a quarter calorie, and then one of those little beans that you had removed came out, just fell out of my butt. I don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. I get when things get really upsetting, at their very worst, I say the worst thing I possibly could, unless it's you know the person's crying and you know that's that's different you know. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think it's, I, I think with certain people, if you, especially if you know someone well enough, you sort of know what they need. You know, I have a friend who it's always funny and always fun. And I've seen him cry twice. He's a very close friend, a big comedian. And when he cries, he wants me to fuck with him. He wants me to yeah. be there. But yeah. also he wants a little bit like, you know, it's you know, I'm gonna, you know comb your butt hair what do you want me to do to you what can i do to you to make you happy and it's also attitude because i've had that happen in my life with people very close to me where they are just gone and they just don't see any hope and i've been able to just make a complete nonsensical comment and they look at me and they just laugh because it takes you out of it and that's what comedy in its best form does it just does it it's not just comedy it's anything that takes you out of it and they don't want it people that are hurting don't want to hear you know it's not like you had your foot cut off like this kid look at this and you got your picture on your iphone oddly right there to show people your little little tumor boy um could have been your kid you could have cloned it (laughs) do you see yourself in being in a relationship or do you think you're do you feel done because when i felt done is when i met my wife uh, you know, I, I think I'm capable. I do think I'm capable of being in a relationship. And I think, I think when you meet someone that you just feel like you can do anything, like you can just be there. I don't no- think that exists because no, no, I do. Well, it does, but I don't think it does because you have to respect certain boundaries. Like, I was going, I'm so happy that I'm married. I go, oh, finally, I can do whatever the hell I want, be whoever I am. And that one night where I had a drink and I decided to be belligerent a little bit in a way of not belligerence, but yeah, I can be a, an asshole. I can just be, you know, oh, I, I yell at the TV or I'll go, what the hell is this person saying? Oh, they should be in the town square and people should be throwing apples at their head in a stockade. And that's not what your significant other necessarily wants to be be around. So, but that's me going negative, but also doing whatever I want to do. And that's basically what you should do if you're not around anybody else, or you're with a bunch of people that are like-minded, angry, like you are. And that's, what's wrong with the world right now is a bunch of people angry together, yelling at the TV. I will t- I'll take that back in a way because it's not exactly what I meant, but I, I feel like... I'm sorry it- I 
took something from you that I didn't interpret properly. No, no. I think No, this that- is my fault, and I'm never going to forgive myself. Yeah, well, you're being belligerent right now. Yes. I'm going and to literally take a hammer and smash my penis on a, on a chest of drawers. I'm going to yeah. teach it a lesson. I, I, You know, it's funny because I had a therapist, the best therapist I've ever had, say to me, I know this, this is how he talked, Dr. Kessler. He said, I know this is going to sound whatever, but I really believe, Michael, if you allow yourself to love, if you could really just love someone and be loved, and it's going to be very difficult for you, but if you could do it, I think you will soar. I agree with that. Until and that was something that would just hit me profoundly that I'm like, wow. And but in order to do that, you have to allow yourself to just let go. And because look, being single most of my life intermittently and in and out of stuff, you know, it's like if I can it, it why not give it a shot if nothing else is worth? Well, I don't even think you should look at it that way. I mean, all you can do is not be thinking about the problem most people have when they're single and they're looking for somebody is that they are trying to find that Mr. Right, Miss Perfect, um, and whatever you're trying to find that you're looking for, no matter who you are, that works with you. Um, relationships, if it's all happy all the time, it's Stepford. It's not real. And it's, it's just not real. You have to go through arguments. You have to communicate. You have to resolve. And I'll tell you something. this is personal last night kelly and i were watching this show and she she's not gonna like this but i have to tell this there were feathers coming out of one of the pillows on the couch in the den and she just started like throwing them at me pulling them out of the pillow and putting little feathers on me and i didn't like it it really bothered me and then uh to get back at her (laughs) She brought some healthy chips out with some healthy fake cheese dip that wasn't cheese. Everything's fake. You know, nothing's real around here. Vegan cheese. Oh, my God. It's made out of, I don't know, some plant that died. And And you started throwing chips out. No, I I crumbled it up and put it down the back of her shirt. So I'm I'm a nine-year-old. I'm the, you don't mess with a guy like me. I'm a messed up guy. This is my problem. And then she said, why did you? She, well, we're laughing, but it also, I took it way too far. All she did was throw feathers at me. <laughs> so then I had to go get the dust buster. So then I'm now vacuuming her back. And then she's got, you know, I vacuumed the couch. And then I realized, oh no, I, I've, I gotta, I gotta clean her up. Let me get that shirt off and see if there's any more. Va- and from the moment the, the shirt came off to help vacuum and the, the, the next step is the dust buster is on the table. And let's just say it, the cards were in my favor after that. And um, <laughs> it was just, uh, we didn't get back to the TV for, you know how long it takes me, at least two minutes. So two minutes, two minutes. <laughs> That's amazing. we only That's missed crazy. a commercial, but it was like, it was fun. It was, it was, I love that. but that's what, what I'm suggesting is in Congress, that's what they should be doing. They should be taking all their shirts off and dust busting each other. Cause some, well, you know what, for me, I, I, you know, I think that my whole life, you have something in your head, right? You have a certain type of woman. Got girls have a certain type of man, right? And you have, have a, this is what, this is what I'm going to be with. This is what, and then one day someone comes along and you're like, 
no, but this isn't what I, this is, this is the, the opposite of what, no, I, I'm, I want this. And then you realize that's not working. And you got something that, again, right here in front of you, that's different, but better for you. That's what a lot of people don't. That's a good name for a podcast, better for you. It's always for you. And then you're, you got quite great branding there. But you're right. Bob Saget's here for you, but Michael Rosenbaum's inside of you, and Dick Cavett's whatever. He's a, he needs better for you. Well, he's we like him, but I don't know. Um, he's getting up there. Um, better for you. That someone's going to steal that. That's a good podcast. Well, they could take it from here. We're thrilled about it. We'll get ten yeah, percent. But I, I agree with you that people are always thinking they want the Stepford version of what they want. They have their fantasy. They want you know. A Helmsworth or a Hemsworth or whatever it's worth. Arthur Hemsworth. Arthur. Uh, no Hemsworth. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, that's what they. You know, they have their guys or their or their women that they want. Some people want RuPaul because RuPaul is abandoned and and out there. Somebody wants right now. People want to uh, hook up with Oprah uh, because talk about being there for you. I mean, I was on her show a few times, and in the commercial breaks, I got three hours of the most intelligent conversation I ever got from most therapists, you know. Wow. I mean, then other people just want to hook up with the sex symbol of their life. That's the sex symbol of the moment, you know. You know what I hate? If you go on a dating site, uh, you know, some, if you're under six feet tall or below five foot ten, don't message me or don't. And you're like... That's just the opposite. Why? You, you know, you, you think you have a type. You might just meet Mr. Right. That's five. Nine, well, why try to correct them? You obviously aren't interested in that because that's a person that is only on surface. That's only on surface. But I have seen men and women with people that are three feet apart. And all I'm saying is someone's neck's going to hurt. You know, just a kiss. It's like a giraffe and a and a and a, a, a small uh, alpaca, alpaca and a giraffe as a couple. Look, if you love each other, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. But I mean, people want what they want because you, their past experience, or they're just. We are, an, as always, mankind, womankind. We we are fairly humankind. We are, I'd say, sixty percent shallow. I mean, people don't want to go any further psychologically. Yeah. They want to go on looks. They uh, Sexuality is a big thing. It does work well. But then, like, Don Rickles was my friend, and he would say, Bob, sex is not everything. I said, Don, I see you sitting here with Barbara. Obviously, it's not. So, um, <laughs> and then he would give me a look and slap me in the face <laughs> and then uh, give me $20 and tell me to get a job. <laughs> Uh, you know, but, but, and Barbara's adorable. So it's sad that he's gone. But, but that's the kind of thing where they were married and they weren't going to go look for other people. And that's, I think that's where I'm at now. I mean, last time I was only married once before and I've been divorced 23 years. So it's not that different from where you're at now. I mean, you're, you're just, When's the last time you had a relationship? How long ago? Uh, probably a year year ago. Well, that's not that long ago. No, but you know, do you ever think that 
do you think you have to be just deeply in love with someone? Guys, I'm so in love. I feel it. Or can you be with someone that you're like, I just love being around them and they're a great person. And I, yeah, I love them, but I'm not like, well, well that, but that, but those things are, those things move. So those things aren't, you can't, what everybody wants to do is put everything in a box and come and say, this is what it is. Cause it helps you to control it and know, Oh, that's the relationship. But the beauty of a great relationship is when it's like, man, we're going through a hard time. I, I don't know, especially during quarantine, I would imagine a bunch of people are going, they're going to get divorced or they're going to get married, you know, or, or, or they're going, I just, the, a great relationship is one that you're feeling this, the, the second thing that you mentioned, which is, you know, I just love being around that person and they make me feel good. But then at certain moments that turns into the highest form of love. There's no way that won't. Uh, if you're, and, and you, if it's a real relationship and it involves sex, that has to be there too. You can't just make that happen. Cause if that's missing, that can be difficult. You can't just live with your best friend. Unless you're not that sexual yourself, then you're okay. I'm so if, yeah. I'm pretty sexual. I imagine you are also. From what I recall, you're very sexual. Um, no. No, well, you you broke. Well, my, no, you, I'm a sexual you, guy. I like sex, but like you know, when you're in your twenties. No, you're whatever. not a sex yeah. addict, but you did. Oh, yeah. When but, I met you, I don't know if you remember this, but you broke my hymen. I don't know if you know that. We were on a seesaw in Beverly Hills in the park, and it busted on the hymen. I busted on the. Busted on the high <laughs> um, Okay, quick question because I have to. Uh, your band is called Left on Laurel. Well, you know, I was in a band called Left. So, so this whole music thing, I, I my whole life, I thought, God, I love music so much. I love music so much. I go, but you don't sing like Adam Lanner. You, I was like, then finally I said, what the fuck does it matter, man? You love music. So I got a couple of friends together. We it started out as this crazy. My friend had an album covers with friends and Jensen Ackles from Supernatural did a song on his album. I did a song. I did Mad World and I didn't want to do it. I was like scared. I was like, I'm not really a singer. And he begged me to do it. And I finally sang it. And it, I was like, wow. And then he said, hey, you're playing music with your friends. Why don't you open for us at the Troubadour? And I go, no, no, fuck no, no. And he goes, just do it. I go, why? Well, write three songs. Wrote three songs, open for him. I was like, oh, my God, I did it. And it was great. They just come to Germany. You're going to play in Germany with me. Like, what? <laughs> and the next thing you know, we have this band, it's my friends, and we were doing it. We make an album and we really love it. I think it's a really good album. And what, what's the name yeah, of the album? Well, it was called Left on Laurel. Um, oh, that's the name of the album. That's not Saved the by, band. No, no, no. The band's Left on Laurel. Right. The, the, the title Saved by the Ground. And. So um, it's from an old fix song where it's saved by zero. When you hit zero, you've hit rock bottom. You can't go any lower because you're there. So yeah. you're saved, saved by the ground ultimately. So um, I loved it, but it was, it became sort of toxic. Like it was right now I know on a small level with big bands thing, but it was like, you know, our friendships were kind of like being compromised a little and we never yelled at each other. And all of a sudden we were kind of yelling and it was just impatience and egos. And it just became unfun to me it's and weird so, that you're you watch almost famous and you go oh my god we were like that yeah and then i i said you know i i just i love you guys but i'm out and you know and i wrote the songs and i you know i had a great time with them and so then i just started like my guitarist rob i just said hey you want to come over and, and we started creating and we 
you know, I bring him songs I wrote and then we work on them. And now we have 11 songs and we've been recording an album for the last two months. We, were, we did a capital. That's record. fantastic. We play shows on stage it. If you go to stage it.com. Yeah, that's my month. friend, Jaron Lowenstein, oh, Evan Lowenstein. Yeah. Or, or is it Jaron Lowenstein? They're think, twins. It's one of them. I think it's I, Evan's business. I think it's Evan. That sounds familiar. But we we do these live shows, and now we we're doing the album. And I got to tell you, like I I love this. I I am so passionate about it, and I think the music's really good, and I really just love it. I think that you know there's something here, and and again, I don't think I'm going to become a big rock star. That's not the point. I just love doing it. And I'm gonna that's keep important doing- for everybody to hear too. Yeah, I'm happy for you though, specifically, <laughs> but because there's people <laughs> that 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 are trying to be in a band and are in a band, and a couple of them are going to break through. But the odds of it, as, as far as success goes, you d- just have to love the shit out of it. I, I just love it. I love sitting there and coming up with a song and writing the lyrics, and then you know, having a pedal steel player come in and play and then having a violin and then having harmonies come in and working with this friend of mine in Nashville recording harmonies, this wonderful singer, Emma Fitzpatrick and Elliot Yamin from American Idol sings harmonies. And like all these friends come in and the, the song that you wrote just gets elevated. And you're, yeah. last time I was listening in the car with Rob, my guitarist, and we were like, man, like I, I'm the first one to say when I suck, but these songs, I really, I, I love them. I think they're really. This really is so good. great. I mean, I I feel that because I've written a couple new songs that are part of my stand up that will be, and that's the thing about performing. I bet you can't wait to get out and put people together and perform these songs live, right? Yeah, I can't wait to. You know, we got some great musicians that came on and, and helped us out because you know I'm not in a band anymore. It's just Rob and I. And so you're going to uh, have to bring those people in. So I play guitar, but I had a, a great drummer. It's got Rob Humphreys and this other guy played bass. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, my other buddy, Billy Moran, came in and, and did uh, some other guitar stuff. And all, all of a sudden I'm like, wow, this is I, you know, my brother said it when he saw me play at the Troubadour and we opened for this other band, um, the Station Breaks. Uh, my friend Jason's band and we opened we only played three songs and I'm telling you I had three shots of whiskey I was nervous I was I had to take a shit every three minutes I was so nervous. that's good during a song people like that that's the shit but after the show my brother comes up to me he didn't say you were great your band was great hey buddy I'll be there in a minute he looked at me and goes I've never seen you have so much fun wow that's that's a brother and and that but that was better than saying you're great yeah that was better than saying you're you're gonna be it was just like Hey, dude, remember this. You had fun doing it. That's hard to really understand. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm at right now. Everything I'm doing, that's where I'm at. The, the creative process for me is so damn fun. Getting up with Chappelle's thing in, oh. in Ohio, going to even do this drive-in, and then next year, you know, as far as directing and other shows developing and other stuff, I was even on the Masked Singer, you know, because I know I love that. We talked about it, yeah. I yeah, love we talked about it on your thing on your on. Uh, 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 what's it called? Better uh, inside of you. No, it was the other one. The other show that somebody came up with that someone's going to steal. Oh, better than you. Better than you. How do you remember? <laughs> Should be better than me. 
<laughs> better than me. Better than me because then they want people to be better than, than the host is. I love that. I wish I would have came up with that Michael Rosenbaum better than me. We could do one together. You know, Bill Burr and Burt Kreischer do one together. We could be better than me. And we both. Better than us. Yeah, better than us. And then <laughs> we're starting out with failure. That's That's the title. <laughs> And by the way, that's how pod, my podcast started. Failure, failure. Oh, people are starting to listen. Oh, and that's just kind of like you stick with it because you love doing it and maybe good things will happen. And and relationships also. Two questions yeah. left. One, why did you leave your mom out there barking in the other room? That's a horrible thing to do to her. That's Irv. And he's uh, going to get fed. They're hungry. They're supposed to eat at five. So I'm going to feed them. We're, we're done. Not that this is five when we're doing this. This is whenever you're listening to it. But the other question I had was left on Laurel. So you're going east on Sunset. And then you could go to Crescent Heights to the right. But you make a left on Laurel. Is that the idea? The idea was that all my bandmates would make a left on Laurel to get to my house. But that's and the directions you're saying. You're going east on Sunset or Santa Monica or whatever. You make a left. Well, you're Crescent Heights below you Sunset. You can make a left on Crescent Heights or you can make a left off Ventura in the Valley. Yeah, that way, no, you'd be making, if you're coming west on Ventura, you'd make a left on Laurel. So you really should think this out. It should be left on Laurel unless you're coming from uh, you know, if you're going, you know, east on Ventura, it's a right on Laurel. So you've really got to. Maybe the band should, maybe the new band should be called Take Fountain. That's, or Olympic. That's or the Olympic. Fountain or Olympic. That's the things that all dads tell their sons in L.A. Well, that was uh, Betty Davis, right? Is that some what she said? Some actress said, give me some advice. And she thinks for a minute and goes, Take Fountain. She's right. I mean, she, I, I met her once. Oh, uh, man, she was my favorite. I was, I had a, last story, I had a cousin come out and visit. Her name was Colleen. I loved her a lot. Sweet, funny, starstruck cousin comes out. I go to lunch with her. She says, I just haven't seen anybody famous. We take her, I'm at Fred Siegel on Melrose, and they had a cafe outside, and... She says, I just want to see somebody famous. And then I'm going, oh, God, I hope she doesn't because she's going to accost them in the most fan, fanned out way. Right, uh, right. And then she looks, and Betty Davis is alone at a table. And she goes, oh, my God, there's Betty Davis. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. And before I could say the second, oh, no, she's up, and she walks over to Betty Davis, all of a sudden she's sitting down talking to Betty Davis. And and she's talking to her, then I see Betty Davis. She takes out a, an Instamatic camera, my cousin, a second cousin, and then uh, takes a selfie with Betty Davis. Then all of a sudden the papers are out, Betty Davis is signing a ton of stuff, not just one autograph. Betty Davis is talking to her, and then the cousin comes back to my table, and Betty Davis is like a glow that someone gave her so much affection and meant every word of it. Oh, and I was so worried she was going to be just the, the worst cousin from planet fandom. That's beautiful. She was going to be Dakota Fanning. It was, and the fact that Betty Davis was so gracious is also, because she often played pretty upsetting characters. Oh, tough characters. Oh, yeah. 
She's my favorite, man. I loved her. Did you would see you the, have had uh, sex with her if you could have? I mean, she. Uh, who knows? Who's to say? I would have had sex with Marvin Davis if he would have given me a billion dollars. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you take care of your dog. I'm, I'm worried a little Listen, bit. I, I, I love this. You know, I always say my show is therapy, but th this was actually therapy. And it was fun because I felt like we were getting, we were, it was therapy for each other. I, I feel that way. I feel that way. Did what? you? Did we talked a long time, so I, I feel bad about that. But no. I but I loved it, and so thank you for all your time. But we'll also exchange all our stuff and keep in touch with each other. Yes, uh, I, I I love this. This was really a joy. I mean, honestly, I look at the clock. And I'm like, wow, we've been talking. I didn't honestly feel like that. Take care of your dog. I will. I love you. I love you too, Michael. Bye. Bye bye. All right, that was Michael Rosenbaum. That's how you say it, Rosenbaum. What's the big deal? Um, there's a lot of good stuff that happened in that episode. We, I got to see a picture. If you follow this on YouTube, you'll see his little tumor thing that was taken out. It looks like a little, tiny little bean. And uh, he's safe. He's safe. He's clear. We. Uh, I wish him so much health. He is such a sweetheart. And I think you could tell that. Incredibly honest. And... That's why in the podcast world, those people that are caring and are giving of themselves and reaching out to people and expressing their vulnerabilities, why it means so much and counts so much for the people they're communicating with, which is you guys. Um, and I don't know. He's of the same mindset as I am. I love doing this and I'm not going to stop doing it. So, um, tell your mother that, um, <laughs> that I'll, I'll send her a check <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. I was just separate. I'm just assuming that somehow I'm your parent. I'm your dad. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, that was Michael Rosenbaum. You want to listen to inside of you. He's going to be doing a, it's not inside of you. It's inside of you. Sorry. I speak, uh, you know, Mark Twain verbiage and I'm wishing you guys well, as we get through the rest of this year, which is Wow, we're almost at the end of 2020, right? It's just so weird that 2020 is what your doctor tells you when your eyes are great. And it, it don't feel like it applies anymore. Like when your doctor says, it's okay, check you out. Your vision's 2020. I go, fuck that. You make it 2021, 2022, 2023. Fudge it, doc. I can't take those numbers. Uh, you don't want to have two kids. How old are your kids? Oh, 2021. That's good, but you don't want... How old are your twins? 2020. That doesn't make sense. Anyway, uh, thanks. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Five-star me up. You know, don't give me that 4.5 stuff. I'm, I, make me the three-star Michelin uh, podcast. That's my... That's me pitching. That's me begging. It's like, make me good. Make me popular. You couldn't do that in high school. Anyway, I'm going to keep doing this. I got great guests coming up, and uh, I really enjoyed Michael. Michael Rosenbaum, thanks for doing this. Sending you guys lots of love, uh, and onward and upward as we get through the rest of this year. And I hope you and all the people that you're close with are safe and healthy. I'm wishing you all all the best. All right. Talk to you next time.
1929, the Shane family opened our first jewelry store. Even then, we were intent on being different. We wanted to be more than a jeweler. We wanted to be a friend. Our intentions haven't changed. When you visit Shane Company, you're treated like a friend, and your purchases come with the best warranty in the industry. You can be assured we'll always be here for you. Most jewelers will charge you for their warranty. Our warranty is free for a lifetime and even covers the center stone. We're able to offer you an unparalleled warranty because of the quality of our jewelry. Whether it's an engagement ring, a wedding band, a stunning necklace, earrings, or a bracelet, the structure and design of our jewelry ensures it will last a lifetime because that's what a friend would do. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business, Shane Company and Shaneco.com.